Hello, my name's Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, I'll kick off with a brief update of the biggest headlines in aviation from the past week, and then we're going to do something a little different. With Alaska Airlines officially joining One World last week, we're going to take a deep dive into how this came about, what it means for passengers, and of course for the One World Alliance. To help me dive into this topic, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Simple Flying Lead Journalist for North America, Jay Singh. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So before we move to One World and Alaska Airlines, let's briefly touch on some of the biggest stories from the past week. So I will kick off today um, with the news that Boeing got a brand new order for the 737 MAX. Um, This has to be one of the biggest votes of confidence Boeing's had since the type was ungrounded um, because Southwest ordered 100 additional 737 MAX to its fleet um, and it also added options for another 155 on top of that. So overall, this increases its commitment to more than 600 aircraft. Um, And we know this is split between the MAX 8 and MAX 7. They've not been particularly clear on how that's split at the moment, but uh, I think they're being flexible and leaving their options open. And, you know, we kind of knew this was likely, didn't we, Jay? Because they're a a huge Boeing 737 operator. They've operated a single fleet type forever. Um, But there was a lot of talk about the A220 being in the running. Do you think this was all just bluster? I think there was a strategic advantage into playing both manufacturers off each other because airlines obviously want the best deal. But going for the MAX, I mean, most betting markets had Southwest taking the MAX. Yeah, I think it would have been a surprise if they didn't. And, uh, you know, I think it makes sense. You know, their they're 737-700s need a replacement. So the MAX 7 it was the obvious choice. But uh, I don't know. I think some of us were rooting for the A220. It would have been a, an interesting thing to see. <laughs> Oh, for sure. So in other Max news, the other big issue last week was that the 8200 got its certification from the FAA. So um, in case you're not following, this is the 200 seat variant, extra super massive high density type that has been specifically designed for um, European low cost carrier Ryanair and all its subsidiaries. So Ryanair's got orders in for 210 of these. Um, Clearly, they still need EASA and the UKC to give the thumbs up before they can start flying it. But, you know, overall, it's another vote of confidence for Boeing and all good news for them. Um, They're hoping for the first delivery later in April. And uh, Jay, if you ever come to Europe, are you dying to fly on a 200 seat 737 MAX? Well, I know Tom Boone normally who would be here, he would definitely say yes. So I will join him on one of those flights for sure, just for the experience. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, just to round off some other cool news from last week, Airbus has revealed plans to ramp up A220 production. So the company's taking over part of the facility in Mirabel that was left vacant by Bombardier. Um, And this was formerly used for CRJ assembly. And of course, that arm was sold to Mitsubishi. Bombardier left the factory and it's just left this 100,000 square foot facility completely empty. Um, 
with Airbus looking to ramp up production of the A220, it makes sense that it takes over that part of the the, uh, facility and repurposes it for its own production. So what they're looking to do is to pre-assemble A220 fuselages in this area. They're going to be putting in the electrical wiring and the floors in the fuselage there. And then those partly assembled units will be sent off both to Mirabel and to Mobile for finishing. Um, So they've actually already begun to convert the space. They said it's a significant investment without really revealing how much they're pouring into it. But uh, we should see it come online in 2022. So a pretty quick turnaround in uh, in most aviation terms, I'd say. Um, currently, they're pumping out the A220 about three to four a month. But in the long term, they want to ramp this up to about 14 a month. And uh, I think the demand's there. I mean, do you, do you think this is a good move by Airbus, Jay? Oh, absolutely. The A220 is a pandemic winner, uh, a lot of airlines love them. Um, and while there are plenty of production facilities, you know, across both Canada and the U.S., more is always better. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's a step change and it's much needed because there's a huge backlog for that aircraft. So uh, my final little bit of interesting news for our listeners today is a special flight by TAP Portugal where they took an A321LR into the air for over 10 hours. Um, and as you know, we at Simple Flying, we love seeing how far these new technology narrowbodies can go. And we do enjoy a super long flight now and then. So uh, TAP flew this A321LR for more than 10 hours across Africa. It went from Maputo in Mozambique to Praia in Cape Verde. Um, and uh, yeah, it was 10 hours and eight minutes in total in the sky. And apparently it was transporting a football team. I'm afraid I'm not a football fan, so I can't tell you any more about who was on board. But it wasn't a regular flight. It was a charter flight. Um, So it's not the longest. It is one of the longest. I think you'll remember Air Transat flying an A321LR from Montreal to Athens not so long ago. Um, And apparently the longest to date was actually an Airbus test flight that went from Mahé in Seychelles to Toulouse in just over 11 hours. Um, And that flight is quite interesting because it didn't have any passengers on board, but they did stick on 162 heat-emitting dummies and a full crew of 16 to simulate real-world conditions. So, I mean, these are just really cool flights. We love chatting about them. And if this is how far the LR will go, how far is the XLR going to (laughs) go? I can't wait to see. So... Now, let's move on to what we're really here for, which is to pick the lovely Jay's brains on everything about Alaska and One World. So it's been over a year since Alaska first announced it was going to be joining One World. And then last week, on March the 31st, it became official. Um, And there was lots of excitement in the aviation community. But, you know, what is this all about? Why should we be excited, Jay? What's behind their move to One World and why did they do it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, the last since alliances have been around, Alaska Airlines has been non-aligned. They have had partnerships with many airlines, Iceland Air, Emirates, um, American at once with Delta. And they've, they've really held their own, especially on the West Coast. Seattle is their largest base. They have operations out of Portland, San Francisco, Anchorage, um, Los Angeles, and recently bigger moves in San Diego. So th- they've been doing just fine beforehand. But after the crisis hit, airline partnerships are becoming increasingly more important. And for Alaska Airlines, in particular out of Seattle with growing competition, they needed to have greater access to international long-haul destinations. And One World really provided that. Um, Several One World carriers already fly into Seattle. 
And given, you know, some of the groundwork that Alaska already had in terms of his partners in BA and American Airlines, it just made a lot of natural sense for them to progress towards, towards one world. It's interesting that they picked One World and I think it is, you know, if you look at the alliances that are out there, it is the one that's best aligned with Alaska's strategy. Does this mean new things for Alaska? What are they thinking about future fleet and, and you know, how is that going to um, affect how they're evolving as an airline? They're very focused on their narrowbody strategy right now. In fact, at the announcement um, that they were joining the One World Alliance, uh, their new minted CEO he ruled out wide bodies for the near term. The 737 MAX is the bulk of their future aircraft orders, um, and that will become one of their backbones. I think with them in one world, any potential for wide bodies is slightly delayed because their partners will be able to serve um, those hubs with their own uh, long-haul you know, wide-body aircraft. Uh, it's certainly still something that could you know, happen in the future. I think all of us would love to see perhaps a 787 or an A350 in Alaska's color oh, scheme. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I think we'll have to wait a few years until after they, uh, you know, they, you know, deepen this partnership and see really what kind of new customers and demand pools are come about as a result of the move. Ah, uh, cool stuff. So, in terms of passengers, what what is what does this mean for us? You know, I'm not a big loyalty person, but uh, what does it mean for people that like to travel with One World Airlines? This is fantastic news for One World travelers, and even for the infrequent One World travelers. Uh, the West Coast, the U.S., Alaska, arguably has the best network there, and given its large presence at you know all the major cities along the West Coast, the connecting opportunities are incredible. Uh, the opportunities to uh, for you know passengers who maybe are flying from in the future once the borders open up from like you from UK to Seattle spend a few days in Seattle and then you want to go hit Napa Valley up in California maybe go for a wine tasting mm, Alaska lovely. Airlines oh <laughs> I knew that would appeal to you um, Alaska Airlines is certainly you know one of your best options. Uh, in addition, it also means more opportunities to choose your connection. So if you're you know, a one-world flyer, you want to fly Cathay Pacific or um, JAL maybe to Asia and you're in Portland, well, if you, before Alaska Airlines joined, you'd really be backtracking over to Dallas or south towards LA before catching a Trans-Pacific flight um, on American Airlines. But with Alaska, you, know, you can head up to Seattle on a quick one-hour flight, and then from Seattle, you're on a nonstop to Hong Kong, to Tokyo, or you know, wherever else you're willing to fly on One World. Uh, the second thing is, you know, Alaska is a fantastic airline for seeing many remote areas in Alaska. Uh, a lot of people have fascination with the Northern Lights and they routinely run sales to get people up to visit Alaska. <laughs> and really no airline alliance, uh, whether it be Sky Team, Star or One World, had a lot of presence in these rural communities in Alaska. And with Alaska Airlines in it, those opportunities, you know, grow significantly, especially because Alaska is such a beautiful place that a lot of untouched nature. That sounds incredible. And I remember reading a while back about the um, the old milk run route, which I think still takes place, doesn't it, from Anchorage. And uh, yeah, you just get to fly in and out of all these wonderful places and see these incredible vistas from the windows. So uh, definitely one that's on my bucket list and uh, an easy connection now with uh, obviously British Airways and American Airlines from Heathrow. So yeah, I shall uh, keep that one in mind when we're eventually allowed to leave the country. <laughs> Save up your avios for that route. Absolutely. 
So has there been any response from other One World Airlines so far? I remember when um, Royal Air Maroc joined last year, we saw quite a bit of kind of um, interconnectivity going on. I think American Airlines launched flights to Casablanca to stimulate those connections. Have we seen anything similar in terms of Alaska joining? Absolutely. Uh, I think the most significant is actually Qatar Airways. Even before Alaska Airlines had joined the One World Alliance officially, you know, they started a new route from Doha to Seattle with their Boeing 777 aircraft. And, you know, across the board, One World Airlines, they're very ecstatic about having Alaska in the alliance. Uh, Qantas in particular, Cathay Pacific, Jail, all of these Asian carriers that, you know, particular and, you know, Australian carriers that particularly fly to the West Coast, it just means a host of new opportunities and a host of new customers for them. And, you know, even those in Europe, um, BA flies a heavy presence to the West Coast. I mean, before the pandemic hit, they were ready to fly to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, LA. Um, I think also San Diego, although don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure on that one. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get Tom in to answer that one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it just means a host of new opportunities and a host of new customers for all of these airlines. Uh, at the big event, you know, the, where they announced that they're officially part of the One World Alliance, this big jubilee and celebration, you know, every CEO gave a video message. And then as I'm sure you remember, Joe, the global safety dance. <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was certainly... It was very unexpected. It wasn't on the agenda for all of us at the press conference. But if you haven't seen it, I do encourage you to go see it because it, it will instantly brighten your day. Yeah, I mean, um, I loved the safety dance anyway because I felt it was almost Alaska Airlines channeling their Virgin America roots and doing something kind of fun. Um, and if yeah, like Jay said, if you haven't seen it, it's airline CEOs, it's uh, flight attendants, it's ca- it's uh, pilots all doing the safety dance that Alaska um, thought. But it's really fun, um, if a bit bizarre, I have to say. <laughs> bizarre is certainly the word for it, but I, I think I think it fits in into the kind of Alaska Airlines, you know, post-Virgin brand they're going for. Yeah. Uh, but the long and short is One World Airlines are so happy to have Alaska in the alliance. I mean, it's the 14th full member. And for a while, it seemed after Latam said they were leaving uh, One World, that it might be the end of airline alliances. And that certainly doesn't seem to be the case. And it's great to see Qatar kind of really grasping the metal there because they've been the biggest critic of airline alliances for the longest time. And I mean, how many times have we heard their CEO saying they're going to leave one world and they've had enough? And, you know, there was quite a lot of tension across the group. And now it really feels like they're starting to come back together again and work together to um, to get out of this crisis. So, you know, good, good uh, hope for the future, I guess. Um, and in terms of the future, what can we expect from this partnership? I mean, can it go any deeper? Or there, what's your bet for the next airline to join One World, if you like, or uh, or Alaska's future in the alliance? Well, Alaska definitely has a very bright future in the alliance. Before uh, even joining the alliance, the airline had added plenty of new flights out of Seattle, out of San Diego, out of LA in a bid to really boost connections. And a lot of those flights, they're actually complementary with what American Airlines does. So for example, Alaska is coming on um, between um, uh, from Austin to Los Angeles, which is a new route for them, but one heavily served by all three major airlines, plus um, Southwest and a few others. So with, with that in mind, um, there are plenty of new connecting opportunities for Alaska. 
they are definitely going to be starting to time flights more for one world partners that are coming in. And in addition to that, I, I do think that there will be, you know, some deeper cooperation between some of these one world airlines in Alaska. I mean, it just makes sense uh, for, you know, these carriers that want to get the corporate contracts in LA and San Francisco and Seattle, especially to make this partnership as seamless as possible. Um, and it's interesting that you mention uh, future members. Uh, this was a question that uh, Rob Gurney, CEO of One World, specifically got asked at Ooh. the press conference. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had to give the standard company line that they're always in discussions with other airlines. But I think the immediate focus right now is, you know, to see where Alaska Airlines goes with this first. Um, I think it's going to be fruitful for Alaska and all of the other One World carriers. But there are certainly plenty of opportunities across the globe. Um, a lot of people have said, is JetBlue next because of American? Uh, they would neither confirm nor deny that, although he was clear, you know, Rob Gurney, he, he, he walked a fine line, but he said, he specifically, you know, didn't say that we're officially talking with JetBlue, <laughs> nor did he rule it out. So, yeah. you know, take what you will with that. Very tactful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, there's an awful lot of crossover between Alaska and JetBlue. And I, I think, I don't know how beneficial it would be for JetBlue to be in that alliance. I can see why they've done what they've done with American, but I don't know, you know, there's a lot of competition, particularly at Seattle between those two carriers. And I just don't know. Um, maybe I'll be proved wrong, but uh, it'll be interesting I'm to see nonetheless. I mean, JetBlue now is what Alaska Airlines was about 10 years ago. Alaska was a, you know, back then, before the wave of industry consolidation mergers, they were still a pretty significant and sizable carrier. Um, you know, 300 aircraft in their fleet currently and around about there. JetBlue's at a similar number. Uh, so, again, in this industry, as everyone's taught me, never say never because anything can happen. But I think JetBlue is where Alaska was 10 years ago saying, we're just going to maintain our partnerships and hit our stride. Yeah. So uh, maybe down the line, we'll see some development there. But uh, that's great. Thank you so much, Jay, for coming on today's podcast. It's been really great to get your insight and uh, your take on all this, because it's all a bit of a mystery to me, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It was a joy. Brilliant. So I think that's about all we've got time for today. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as usual, welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.